Welcome, everybody, and it looks like we are live. I'd like to gratefully appreciate you, all my loyal Rumble supporters. Please make it a point right now to interact with the chat. We got it blown up on the screen so you can see it, but how's everybody doing tonight? You know, I've been trying to let this Obama chef story go, but trying to be um, not a weirdo about it, just like... I didn't want to go off the deep end so early on it. I wanted to not be a conspiracy theorist, but, you know, such as it is, we are here. We got mainstream media outlets saying there's something fishy with the Obama chef death. Uh, we have the Daily Mail chiming in on it. Um, Tafari Campbell's drowning death is deemed an accident, but Massachusetts police are still withholding basic information about Barack Obama's personal chef under the guise of an ongoing investigation. And I'm just here to uh, revisit some historical facts tonight. He's always had, Barack Obama's always had so many different weird things and happenings uh, just surrounding him, his whole life, his whole media career. And nowadays, we Berenstein bears this guy for sure. Forget that it was major news outlets covering on his rumored storied affairs. It was mainstream media outlets that were covering the crack Obama story. I mean... I don't know what to say, people, but welcome to another episode of The Cosmic Show. I'm your host, the, the Cosmic Marauder. Please give me that like, comment, share, subscribe. Try to find me on some audio-only platforms such as Google, Apple, PodcastIndex.org, Stitcher, RIP Stitcher. That's no longer a choice. Um, go out there and support me wherever you like listening to audio podcasts. Um, let's go ahead and check out a little bit of this article before we... Uh, Take a look at some videos. We'll read the headlines first, and I'll let everybody here decide. Um, one thing I want to show you before we get started, though, is what it looks like when you try to search a fact check on this. I want to just type Obama chef murder um, fact check. Just something really basic on the Brave browser. I use DuckDuckGo. Um... You could try this on other other ones too. Nobody's talking about this. Let me elevate my keyboard a little bit. Let me see. Here we go. AP News. This was the first main one I read today. It's kind of rich. The same thing they accuse us of, like breaking stories without sources, kind of like we're doing a little bit here tonight. I mean, I think I have sources, but the mainstream media will tell you these are conspiracy sources. AP fact check. Obama's doctor didn't conduct his late chef's autopsy, and the 911 call wasn't delayed, police say. Claim the Obama family's personal chef had been writing a tell-all book when he was found dead with injuries to his head in less than four feet of water. The 911 call also didn't go out till his body washed up on shore and Obama's personal coroner conducted the autopsy. By the way, we're not saying that this has happened yet. We're saying this is in progress, right? I'm just going to go ahead and do a quick audio check, okay? The 911 call also didn't go out till his body. Sounds like we are good on my end. Let's continue on with the article, shall we? So be Mars would jump in the chat and say hi or something, but AP's assessment of that claim. False. Massachusetts State Police reiterated Monday that Tafari Campbell did not sustain any head wounds and was found in nearly eight feet of water. 
not in less than four feet of water when he drowned last Sunday. Still sus. A grown man shouldn't die in eight foot of water. We'll, we'll continue. In addition, the 911 call came in shortly after he fell off his paddleboard, not hours later. And Obama's physician didn't do the autopsy. The state medical examiner's office did, police said. Meanwhile, no evidence has been presented to support the claim the former White House sous chef was working on a book about the Obamas. So there's just no evidence, right? That's all they're saying. There's a lack of evidence. The notion originated from a social media account known to spread misinformation. I couldn't find the social media account they're claiming was misinformation. There's no sources here. The facts. Social media users are continuing to spread conspiracy theories following the July 23rd drowning near the former first family's waterfront estate on Martha's Vineyard. One popular video on Instagram basically claims Campbell was writing a book about the Obamas who was found with head trauma three to four feet of water on the Obama estate. The video goes on to claim that no one called 911 for hours until the 45-year-old Virginia resident's body washed up on shore that Obama's own personal coroner is being flown from Washington, D.C. to conduct the autopsy. Nobody was saying Obama's own personal coroner. That such thing doesn't exist. You don't hire your own coroner. Let's go back. Wait. Let's go back to this uh, article, right? No, this one. It's been 11 days since Tafari Campbell drowned in a pond boarding the president's estate. This is uh, the Daily Mail article. But authorities are rejecting requests for even basic facts, including the identity of the sole witness and 911 caller. The state is citing a public records law exemption that allows police to withhold any information that could jeopardize an active investigation. The head of the region's First Amendment coalition told DailyMail.com that police are abusing the law given they've already ruled out foul play. That's for the First Amendment Coalition on the East Coast. The only matter pending is a toxicology report that could show whether Campbell had drugs in his system or suffered some sort of medical episode. Here's some pictures from the estate. That's probably the best overhead view that I've seen of it all. Let's go ahead and watch this quick little video. There's no audio, doesn't seem on this video. Here's a drone lift off. For your audio only um, listeners, it's just simply a drone shot over the, the bay. I can't believe they call that a pond out there. That's a bay. Let's fast forward through it. It's just hovering above the water. There's nothing to see in this video. There's more videos below. The burden is on law enforcement to show their investigation may be jeopardized by releasing certain information, said Justin Silverman, executive director of the New England First Amendment Coalition. And they're not doing that right now. This really flies in the face of public records law. State officials, state police officials are making sure that other agencies involved in the response follow their lead. Sources who participated in the initial multi-jurisdictional effort told DailyMail.com that state police have even armed departments with rejection letters to send to the media, which has been bombarding the agencies with questions. The Dukes County Sheriff's Office, which fielded the original 911 call, sent DailyMail.com a cut-and-paste message Tuesday when other... I can't see because of this stupid little thing. I can't see what the rest of that is. The message reads... 
Okay, I'll go ahead and go back right now. It says, sentdailymail.com, I cut paste message Tuesday when asked about information on the call. Hello, at this time, we'll not be releasing any recordings or materials, the message read, and cited the state public records law, noting it exempts the release of records that would probably so prejudice the possibility of effective law enforcement that such disclosure would not be in the public interest. The exemption allows investigative officials to withhold materials that could compromise investigative efforts if disclosed. The letter adds. The supervisor of communications for the sheriff's office refused to budge when pressed by DailyMail.com. Sorry, I'm trying to abide by the law, Major Susan Schofield said. Obviously, we're getting a lot of requests. We don't like giving out We do not like to give out information, but we can't. Still investigating. There's rumors it's about to be imminent. Look, they don't say who uh, makes the report right here at 1946.30 time. That's 7.46, 30 seconds, East Coast time. Edgar Tid Police Department. Oh, what? This guy's a very good swimmer? You gotta be shitting me. All of his followers have been wiped out on Instagram, by the way. Let me go to that. At Timeless Creations. Come on, you gotta be joking me. I think I saw that earlier. Timeless underscore creations Instagram. Does that still exist? Tafari Campbell, zero followers, 682 following. How does this dude have no followers? Unless they got wiped. Personal chef and amateur golfer. This account is private. Oh, I see. They made the whole account private. That's probably why. Anywho, I know they have the video right here. Let's watch his uh, swimming lessons. It looks like he knows how to swim. It's obviously not deep water, but... Alright. And why would you be taking swimming lessons as a grown man unless you'd like knew you're gonna go to a place with a lot of water? <clears throat> the Associated Press <clears throat> Oh here we go. The Associated Press devoted an article to shooting down some of the baseless claims circulating, including a popular Instagram video asserting that Campbell was writing a tell-all book on the Obamas when he was found with head trauma three to four feet of water. A lot of questions here. A lot of questions to this article. Obama has his hand bandaged. He has a black eye. His daughters bounced. They left right away. Look at this. Here's them at the airport leaving immediately. I don't know. I think both of those girls could have beat him up. Maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah, found the girl. Grown ass women acting like that. Okay. Sources revealed to DailyMail.com the female paddleboarder, whoever it was, spoke of police at the scene. They described her as devastated, but also apparently clear-headed and sober. 
Let's go ahead and get to some YouTubes, shall we? Enough of me talking. Let's watch Gravitas, W-I-O-N, Tafari Campbell. How did Obama's personal chef die? Accident? Or conspiracy? You know where I land on this. Give me that. The news broke Follow four days ago on the 24th of July. The personal chef of former U.S. President Barack Obama was found dead. His name was Tafari Campbell. He was 45 years old. On the 24th of July, Tafari was fished out of the Edgerton Great Pond near the Obama residence in Massachusetts. The police said that Campbell died while paddleboarding. Four days on, several uncomfortable questions have sprung up around Campbell's death. Was it an accident? Or did something sinister happen? Social media is filled with theories, including the claim that Campbell was secretly writing a tell-all book on the Obamas. The police have denied any foul play. But do they need to dig deeper? Let's first tell you a little about the man who died, Tafari Campbell. He is a familiar face in America, especially among those documenting the lives of American presidents. Oh, sorry, I was referring to Campbell the was chat. a chef at the White House during the Obama administration. I tried to read the chat, but I didn't realize I was muted. We'll do it again. Mars Bar says, Hello, welcome to the stream. Brock, the first female press, changed my mind. Bro, I am in the chat. See, for you audio-only listeners, you get to um, you get to see this live. Me fuck up. That's why you gotta. That's why you gotta follow live. It's great. Tration. He shot to fame in the year 2012 when he helped brew the first batch of alcohol on White House grounds. In 2012, Campbell brewed ale using honey from the beehive <laughs> set up by Michelle Obama on the South Lawn of the White House. Obama's term ended in 2016. Before leaving the White House, the Obamas asked Campbell to join the family as their personal chef. He agreed. Campbell has been working for the famous family ever since. He has also appeared in numerous videos and photos with them. It won't be so wrong to say that Campbell was popular in his own way. Which is why it becomes really strange that the cops reportedly did not take down some very important details of the crucial 911 call that was made about Campbell's drowning. It all happened on Sunday. The other 911 calls made to Edgartown Police Department that day have all been logged into the system along with very specific reasons for the calls. Except this particular call that was made a little before 8 p.m. on Sunday night. That evening, Campbell went out paddleboarding. Reports say he was not alone. Campbell had company. But who that was, the cops won't tell us. Around 7.46 p.m. that evening, the police received a 911 call. They were told a man was drowning. It was Obama's chef. <laughs> who made that call? Another it was unnamed Obama person. Chef. The cops say the person who accompanied Campbell tried to help him out of the water, but he couldn't. So the fellow paddleboarder swam to the shore, told another person about what had happened, and this person, the second one, called the cops. Reports further say that a female was on the line. The emergency services then rushed to the Obama's ultra-luxurious waterside estate. This one. The family bought this seven-bedroom house in 2020 for $11.75 million. It's, it happens to be on Martha's Vineyard. It is a 150-square-kilometer island where America's elite holiday. 
Initial reports said that there wasn't any word on the whereabouts of the Obamas at the time of this incident. Now we are told that they were very much on the island, just not in their house at the time that Campbell drowned. Stories changing. After the SOS call was made, the emergency services came to the estate with divers and sonar boats. A search party was deployed. But they couldn't find Campbell that night. A neighbor thought... A neighbor, though, found Campbell's paddleboard, but his body would only be discovered the next morning. Campbell was found 100 feet from the shore in around 8 feet of water, and more than 12 hours after, he fell into the water. The police say that the chef was not wearing a personal floating device. Also, he was not leashed to the paddleboard when he fell into the water. I don't know. You guys have to explain paddleboarding to me. Is it made the same the same material as like a surfboard like is it really light like foam with like a plastic shell they all have straps like i don't understand like how far deep do you paddleboard this shit i mean i know what a paddle boat is i don't know this is so dumb to me this is all so dumb to me they're lying in our faces Reports say the water was calm that evening. So what led to the incident? This is more the floaty accident. than the surfboard. The police say that there is nothing suspicious about Campbell's death. He fell into the water and drowned. Simple. Except, netizens won't buy this theory. Many on social media are having a hard time digesting this news. They say that the story isn't all that black and white. They're asking several questions. The most important one being... Why did the police not take down the reason for the 911 call made that evening? All the other calls reportedly were logged along with the reason, except this one. Some conspiracy theorists are also pointing at Campbell's Instagram. It has videos of the chef swimming. So the obvious question he being asked swim. is, how could the chef possibly drown when he knew how to swim? There are some who say drowning in shallow waters does not seem to add up. In fact, look at what a Trump administration official, Monica Crowley, tweeted. I'm quoting. This whole drowning in eight feet of water in a private pond on the Obama estate story is shady. Look at this reply now. All these drowning chef yeah, stories hot, huh? seem off. This is whom he's referring to, Walter Shabe. I like he too used to be a White House chef. In 2005, then-President George W. Bush fired him. He was found dead some days later. No one really knows what happened to Shape. Back then, the cops said that he had also drowned. Of course, there isn't much that's common between Shape's case and Campbell's, except they were both White House chefs hmm. and both drowned. But you see, conspiracy theorists thrive on these little coincidences. The chatter on the internet is this, that White House chefs or personal chefs or former presidents know too much because of how closely they work with these VIPs. So Spirit is there something cooking. that Campbell also knew? Now, just for the record, we are not in any... What if he was extra based and just dropped the spirit cooking knowledge in that biographer? That's where I'm getting at with this biographer... That's like such a weird story that everybody is um, blowing over to the tabletmag.com article. We're going to read that. But that shit is like, duh, what? Like, which part of this is real? Which part of it's fake? Some of it's real. I think the anti-Semitic stuff is being made up. But holy smokes. Any which way hinting at anything sinister. We are only pointing at the fact 
that there is a lot of noise around Campbell's death. Is it because the U.S. is in the middle of a political season? Or is it because Obama has always been a favorite in conspiracy circles? The former president has been the subject of many conspiracy theories. Some allege that Obama's birth certificate is fake or that he was really it born is in fake. Kenya. God damn it. There's no doubt that Campbell's God death has triggered it. the same group. But the fact that a lot remains unanswered in this case is only adding fuel to the fire. Some netizens I get have- so mad at the Obama birth certificate thing because that's like the one thing about him that you could almost verify as being super sus and nobody cares about it. Claim that Campbell was writing a tell-all book on the Obamas. So no dumb. one close to Campbell or the Obamas have addressed this speculation yet. And the police are mum. We on World is One is now available in your country. Down- the police are mum. Thank you, girl. I'll be in your DMs one day. There's one thing she talked about, how his death uh, mirrored the death of the Clinton chef. The tragic drowning death of former White House sous chef and the Obama family's personal chef, Tafari Campbell, over the weekend is sadly similar to the premature demise of another White House kitchen veteran. Campbell's death comes just eight years after Walter Scheib who served as a White House executive chef from 1994 to 2005, was, partially, was found partially submerged in a ravine in the New Mexico mountains on June 21, 2015. The 61-year-old Scheib was first reported missing by his girlfriend on June 14, one day after he, fa- after he failed to return from a hike near Taos Ski Valley. Scheib died from drowning and autopsy later revealed. The Culinary Institute of America graduate was appointed White House Executive Chef in 1994. After then, First Lady Hillary Clinton was wowed by his pecan-crusted rack of lamb at a West Virginia resort, according to ABC. Scheib eventually became known for refocusing the Executive Mansion's menu on American cuisine and seasonal ingredients. He remained in this position through... George Bush's first term in office. In 2005, he left to become a food consultant and speaker. In 2006, he co-authored the cookbook White House Chef, 11 Years, Two Presidents, One Kitchen, and appeared on the Food Network's Iron Chef America. I gotta watch that. That's a fucking great show. Shout out Iron Chef America. After his death in 2015, the Clintons praised Scheib's delicious and creative meals, as well as how he used his immense talents, not only to represent the very best of American cuisine to visiting leaders, but to make a difference in people's lives through nonprofit work, ABC said. Um, let's see. What do they say about, about this? Is this just one of those um, text videos? I hate these. Are so stupid. I guess I might as well just play it. This is so lowbrow journalism. Not me, them. Respond to 79, 79, Turkey Line oh, Cove. Sc- For a 40 year old male, possible drowning. It's controlled to Eggertown Fire Water Rescue Personnel. about all you'll get from that call. That's all that's going to be made public there. <laughs> oh, shit. <sighs> but 
let's see what this next article is before we get to the next video on YouTube. But if you have not yet, one more time, like, comment, share, subscribe. All right, here we go. This is um, this is one of the big stories right here. I think this is the one. Whose version of the story is correct? Obama biographer spills the tea on ex-president with salacious claims. This is according to Kevin Haggerty, August 5th, Business and Politics. Claims from a no-holds-barred expose in time for a former president's birthday may have left him wishing he was only confronting the mysterious death of an employee. The question remained, whose version of the story is correct? On Wednesday, Talent Magazine's David Samuels released his interview with former President Barack Obama. <clears throat> Barack Obama's biographer, David Garrow. Sorry. <clears throat> in addition to his depiction of the president as a not quote, normal human being, unquote. Much of the Obama public persona was suggested to be fictionalized, including certain aspects of his sexuality. Having interviewed Obama's three girlfriends prior to his marrying Michelle Robinson, <coughs> okay, Mike, the author of Rising Star, The Making of Barack Obama, had made particular note of his Occidental College paramour, Alex McNair's contribution to the record. She had provided love letters from Obama to Emory University where a particular paragraph had been redacted because, as she put it, quote, it's about homosexuality, unquote. Garrow explained how he dispatched his friend Harvey Clare to examine that portion that the school would not allow him to photograph. Quote, so Harvey has to sit there with a pencil and copy out the graph where Barack writes to Alex about how he repeatedly fantasizes about making love to men, unquote. The tablet story comes just as suspicious eyes have turned towards Martha Vineyard, Martha's Vineyard, where the Obama's personal chef, Tafari Campbell, recently died in a paddleboarding accident near their estate. Delayed and seemingly changing details have only added to the perception that something was being covered up. Meanwhile, what had certainly not been covered up was Obama's take on banned books, filled in many instances with pornographic homosexual content, which left him declaring his support. Here's a quote. Today, some of the books that shaped my life and the lives of so many others are being challenged by people who disagree with certain ideas or perspectives. It's no coincidence that these banned books often written by or feature people of color, indigenous people, and members of the LGBTQ plus community. Though there have been unfortunate instances in which books by several authors of books contain triggery scenes of targeted for removal. He said, The president's nod to stories featuring people of color harkened back to his breakup of former girlfriend, Sheila Mayoshi Yeager, whom Obama had dated in the 80s. However, their tales didn't mesh. According to her, they had split when Obama would not condemn anti-Semitism. His own accounts from the time suggested they had come to a crossroads over his embrace of black racial consciousness. Whose version of the story is correct, Samuels asks. Who knows? The bridge between the two accounts is Obama's emerging attachment to blackness, which required him to fall in love with and marry a black woman. In Obama's account, his attachment to blackness is truthful and noble. In Yeager's account, his claims are instrumental and selfish. He grants particularism to the experience of suffering of his own tribe while denying it to others, unquote, based. Additionally, Garrow leveled that discussion of the dreams of my father author's actual father was off-limits. In fact, they left him asserting, quote, he's not normal, as in not a normal politician or a normal human being. 
was gleaned from Obama's memoir that biographers slammed as historical fiction, and, oh God, did that infuriate him. Quote, It's so inaccurate, whether about the dynamics among the guys in Hawaii or what's going on in the community group on the far south side of Chicago, and completely omits women. I've always thought that there'd eventually be a feminist critique of Obama because his mother and all the girlfriends. They're not. They don't exist, Carol pointed out. A scrutinizing look at the president also raised questions about the media's lack thereof, especially since Obama has remained a resident of Washington, D.C., where comings and goings of White House officials and power players remain uncatalogued. While there was disagreement as to which point from the interview was the most salacious, the viral nature supported the agreed-upon take that was lengthy but worth the time to explore. We're not going to read all these tweets. That's a whole different rabbit hole. We're not done being weird about it yet, all right? We're not done being weird about it. Let's go ahead. I think before we get to Trinity Church, we have to read some more of the tabletmag.com article or .org. This is a Zionist newspaper, by the way. This is for Jewish people. This this tabletmag.com. This is they have a very um, specific agenda. So I'm wondering, is this disinformation? Is this? I've played with the idea that that Barack Obama was a Saudi and like English plant. I don't know. There's so many possibilities with this one. <clears throat> Call, call me a conspiracy theorist. I want to hear your opinions in the chat right now. The one thing that's really lacking in this channel, I appreciate all my 38 followers here, but I'm missing the chat interaction. I'm going to go ahead and type right here in all caps, please interact in the chat. We know it takes time to build that. Like it's going to take 100 or 200 Rumble followers to have an active chat, but we want to make it happen sooner than later. And Mars Bars and I are going to come up with another show completely separate from this going to be a lot more fun, a lot more of a hangout. We're going to take your listener calls. It's going to be great. <clears throat> we have to read more about this article. The Obama Factory, Q&A with historian David Garrow. By the way, this isn't a discredited historian. This isn't Graham Hancock or whatever. I, I like Graham Hancock, but I'm not. I'm just saying he's not. Somebody the mainstream calls a fake journalist that I know of. Let's go ahead and read some of this. Let's see who's reading the article. David Samuels. There's a fascinating passage of rising star David Garrow's comprehensive biography of Barack Obama's early years, in which the historian examines Obama's account in Dreams from My Father of his breakup with his longtime Chicago girlfriend, Sheila Mayoshi Yeager. In Dreams, Obama describes a passionate disagreement following a play by African-American playwright August Wilson, in which the young protagonist defends his recipient embrace of black racial consciousness against his girlfriend's white-identified liberal universalism. As readers, we note the stakes of this decision will become more than simply personal. The black American man that Obama wills into being in this scene would go on to marry a black woman from the south side of Chicago, named Michelle Robinson, and after a meteoric rise, win election as the first black president of the United States. Yet what Garrow documented after tracking down and interviewing Sheila Mayoshi Yeager was an explosive fight over a very different subject, 
And Jaeger's telling the quarrel that ended the couple's relationship was not about Obama's self-identification as a black man. And the impetus was not a play about the American black experience, but an exhibit at Chicago Spiritus Institute about the 1961 trial of Adolf Eichmann. Yes, the Nazi Adolf Eichmann. At that time that Obama and Sheila visited the Spiritus Institute, Chicago politics was being roiled by a black mayoral aide named Steve Coakley, who in a series of lectures organized by Louis Farrakhan's Nation of Islam, accused Jewish doctors in Chicago of affecting black babies with AIDS as part of a genocidal plot against African Americans. I would like to reiterate, even though we are on Rumble, this is the opinion of David Samuels, and this is his article, not the opinions of the Cosmic Show or Cosmic Marauder. The episode highlighted a deep rift within the city's power echelons, and with some prominent black officials supporting Coakley and others calling for his firing. In Yeager's recollection, what set off the quarrel that precipitated the end of the couple's relationship was Obama's stubborn refusal, after seeing the exhibit and the swirl of this Coakley affair, to condemn black racism. While acknowledging that Obama's embrace of a black identity had created some degree of distance between the couple, she insisted that what upset her that day was Obama's inability to condemn Coakley's comments. It was not Obama's blackness that bothered her, but that he would not condemn anti-Semitism. No doubt, Obama's evolving race-based self-consciousness did distance him from Jaeger. In the end, the couple broke up, yet it is revealing to read Obama's account of the breakup of dreams against the very different account that Jaeger offers. In Obama's account, he was the particularist, embracing a personal meaning for the black experience that Jaeger, the universalist, refused to grant. In Jaeger's account, the poles of the argument are nearly, but not quite, reversed. It is Obama who appears to minimize Jewish anxiety about blood libels coming from the black community. His particularism mattered. Hers didn't. While Obama defined himself as a realist or a pragmatist, the episode reads like a textbook evasion of moral responsibility. How, how, is, not, how is that not part for the course? Let's take a break from the article really quick. I want to hear your thoughts out there, even you, Mars, bars, bars, bars. Um, I'm, not, I'm not certain this is like a misdirection on the anti-Semitism angle. It, it could very well be, but this is like something very... This is a hit piece without being a hit piece. This is how you completely disguise a hit piece. And I don't know if they're trying to rein Obama in, if they're trying to get him to get the narrative and really figure this out and to put these skeletons to bed once and for all. I don't know. I don't know what the purpose of this article is. It's so weird him being like a functional right-hand man of Rahm Emanuel. And a lot of other power players from Chicago, but Jesus Christ, this is incredibly bizarre. It's not getting any less bizarre. Let's continue on. Whose version of the story is correct? Who knows? The bridge between the two accounts is Obama's emerging attachment to blackness, which required him to fall in love with and marry a black woman. In Obama's account, his attachment to blackness is truthful and noble. In Yeager's account, his claims are instrumental and selfish. He grants particularism to experience the suffering of his own tribe. I think I already read that in a different part of the article. Let's see. Let, let me skip ahead a little bit. Here we go. 
Scholarship aside, there is another reason to assume that Jaeger would be less likely to misremember an incident involving recent anti-Semitism than Obama. As it turns out, Jaeger's paternal grandparents, Hendrik and Gizja Jaeger, I don't know how to pronounce that, were members of the Dutch Resistance, whose role sheltering a Jewish child named Grietja in their home for three years led to their recognition as righteous among the nations by Yad Vashem. In that context, at least, it seems quite likely that Jaeger would remember the particulars of a fight with Obama related to anti-Semitism being turned off by his response, while Obama's version of the fight is a feel of an anecdote position, if not invented to buttress the character arc of the protagonist of his memoir, which positioned him for a career in public life. Perhaps the most revealing thing about Jaeger's account of her fight with Obama, though, is that not one reporter in America bothered to interview her interview her before David Garrell found her near the end of Obama's presidency. As Obama's live-in girlfriend and closest friend during the 1980s, Yeager is probably the single most informed and credible source about the inner life of a young man whose election was accompanied by hopes of sweeping, peaceful social change in America, a hope that ended with the election of Donald Trump, or perhaps midway through Obama's second term, as the president focused on the Iran deal while failing to address the concerns about rampant income inequality, racial inequality, and the growth of a monopoly tech complex that happened on his watch. Here's a thought. What if this piece, this whole piece right here, is to shape what Michelle Obama is going to do once she gets into office? Or he? I'm predicting that, people. I think this is what this is subtly doing, man. You guys can call me crazy all I want. He keeps lying. He keeps lying about everything. This is crazy. This article is so long. I could keep going on and on and on. I'll read more about this guy, though, who... The biographer. When it came out six years ago, Rising Star was mostly ignored. As a result, its most scandalous and perhaps revelatory passages, such as Obama's long letter to another girlfriend about his fantasies of having sex with men, read today to people who are more familiar with the Obama myth than the historical record like partisan bigotry. But David Garrow is hardly a hack whose work can or should be dismissed on partisan grounds. He's among the country's most credible and celebrated civil rights historians, the author of the FBI, Martin Luther King Jr., and Bearing the Cross. <clears throat> which won the Pulitzer Prize for Biography. And one of the three historian consultants who animated the monumental PBS documentary Eyes on the Prize, as well as the author of a landmark history of abortion rights, liberty, and sexuality. Yuck. So he's obviously liberal. <clears throat> in part, Garrow's failure to gain a hearing for his revision of the Obama myth lay in his timing. Rising Star felt like old news the moment it was published in May 2017, as whatever insights the book contained were overtaken by the fury and chaos surrounding the beginning of Donald Trump's presidency. As Trump's incendiary Carnival Barker Act took center stage, it was hard even for Republicans not to miss the contrast with Obama's cerebral mannerisms and sedate family life. The idea that Obama was simply another self-obsessed political knife fighter who played fast and loose with the truth didn't resonate. In any case, Obama was now a footnote to history, a reminder of kinder, gentler times that the country seemed unlikely to see again soon. I'm looking down here to see if there's a little bit of the Q&A we can read. Or if there's a Q&A. Or if this is just an article based on the Q&A. 
Because this is a massive article. If it, this is too long, I'll oh, hear it go. I want to find a couple of questions directly about this. Hold on, hold on. I'm almost there. Hold on. Still here. This is too much to read. I have to, you have to go in here and read all of this. Oh, here we go. Let's read this. How did you get those three women, Obama's college and law school girlfriends, to give you Obama's love letters to them? And what was the most surprising thing you found in them? With Alex McNear, Obama's girlfriend at Occidental College, I think she wanted to have her role known. So when Alex showed me the letters from Brock, she redacted one paragraph, one of them, and just said, it's about homosexuality. And then some, sometime, right about when Rising Star came out, Alex indirectly sold the original, sold those letters that ended up at Emory. <laughs> indirectly, I guess. Unintentionally, right? So Emory put out a pre press release saying, we've gotten these rare letters by Barack Obama. No mention of this paragraph that was too sensitive. None of these paper papers mentioned it. Emory didn't mention it. So I sent one of my oldest friends, Harvey Clare. Harvey was the guy going back to 1980 and I was trying to solve who fingered Dr. King's close advisor, Stanley Levinson. How it was known to the FBI that Stan had been a communist. That's the reporter. Yes, answers um, David Garrow. So I emailed Harvey and said, go to the Emory archives. He spent his whole life at Emory, but they won't let him take pictures. So Harvey has to sit there with a pencil and copy out the graph of Brock writes to Alex about how he repeatedly fantasized about making love to men. Now Genevieve Cook, Obama's girlfriend in New York, Genevieve's just a free spirit. I went to Australia to meet her. She had a, let me think about how best to say this. She had a subsequent relationship there in Australia that was troubled, and so she was living in a very low visibility context. So we drove down and stayed with her and her partner for three days in the Mornington Peninsula, south of Melbourne, as she was keeping a journal during her relationship with Barack, so she had also all sorts of stuff. Sheila, though, it's unclear. That's all for you to read now. Let's go back to YouTube and watch another video. This one's going to be a fun one. <clears throat> this is Trump first signaling to everybody the problems with Barack Obama. He was a birther. He founded the birther movement. It kind of swept him into office. But where there's smoke, there's fire with, with this Obama fella, if you will. Watch some YouTube videos for a minute. It's good enough for the state of Hawaii and the State Department. <coughs> the State Department recognizes these as well, legitimately. Before we do that, I'm going to take a quick one minute break. It helps the audio only show get monetized. We'll see you in one minute.
All right, I am back, people. Man, a lot of railing gets your palate dry, right? Had to take a quick little bathroom break, but thank you guys for hanging in there. Let's hear, uh, let's hear Trump on all this. It's not a birth certificate, Candy, and people are trying to figure out why isn't he giving his birth certificate. It's not a birth certificate, a certificate of live birth. And you can see that one that you have and the one that I brought you, because that's the one that's on the Internet and all over the place. It doesn't even have a serial number. It doesn't have a signature. It doesn't have a signature. One that I saw on television has a stamp. But that's not because a signature. It's a pr right, but, it's a pr that's how they Excuse do me, these. but that's not the one that they were showing to everybody. And I just say very simply, why doesn't he show his birth certificate? Why has he spent over $2 million in legal fees to keep this quiet and to keep this silent? When I listened today to the tape of the grandmother, and she was saying he was born essentially in Kenya. And then all of a sudden, don't forget, this is when Barack Obama was hot as a pistol because it looked like he was going to get the nomination. And they had a lot of people, a lot of handlers in there. And all of a sudden you hear people all over the room. No, no, no. He was born in Hawaii. He was born in Hawaii. But she didn't but they say, say it was that. a misinterpretation. They drowned that. her out. She was like there were a lot of people in that room. And she said, Kenya, he was born right here. And then they started saying, screaming, no, no, no. You mean Hawaii. You mean Hawaii. Look, I don't like to talk about this issue too much because I really would rather talk about China. I would really rather talk about what OPEC is doing to destroy us. I would really rather talk about other things. But I'll be honest with you. I started this and I heard the question for the first time four weeks ago. And I assumed, although I had heard about it for years, I assumed that he was born in the United States, meaning in Hawaii. I assumed that the more I go into it, the more suspect it is. Uh, two quick things here. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, the media machine behind this guy was so powerful. You can't even you're not even allowed to ask these questions anymore. I'm trying to figure out when, what video I want to show next. What other uh, lie of Obama? How about this? Uh, David Cross, historical cocaine near Obama. David Cross, what a what an asshole! Comedian David Cross's surprising confession. Rumors and speculation have been swirling for the last several years that the Arrested Development star snorted cocaine during the White House Correspondents' Dinner back in 2009, with President Obama sitting just feet away. Cross is now setting the record straight in a recent interview for Playboy magazine, saying, I did cocaine in the same room as the president. I'm not proud of it, nor am I ashamed of it. The comedian also said that he snorted the drug during the dinner not because he needed a fix, but rather instead to be able to actually say that he used the illegal substance in such close proximity <laughs> to the president. Cross also went on to reveal that he snorted the drug under the dinner table and that it wasn't even that much cocaine. His only regret? His girlfriend, actress Amber Tamblyn, was permanently banned from the White House as a result of the incident, although Cross claims that she was not even aware of his actions during the dinner. Ken Lombardi, CBS News. All right. <laughs> it's going to get weirder, people. It's going to get very, very weird. I found this channel. I guess a lot of people know about it. Chapo Trap House. I think he has a shitload. Speaking of, subs. of Dinesh D'Souza, did you see? He has one hundred twelve thousand subs. I don't know exactly what he uh, what he talks about, but let's check this out a little bit. 
really quick. Don't forget to follow the show. That motherfucker interviewing Larry Sinclair, the Obama limo blowjob guy, like yesterday. Wait, Larry's back? Larry is Larry Sinclair is back. Larry Sinclair. I saw an interview. Dinesh D'Souza. I'd be like, I think this is a recent interview. Dinesh D'Souza just interviewed Larry Sinclair, and Larry Sinclair was. I was trying to find the recent one, and I couldn't. I found an old one he did. Filling all the beans, and he was just like, I got in the limo. Um, I, I was I was smoking I was smoking a joint. And Obama was snorting. And then I performed oral sex on him. On this. <laughs> this is later. I showed up. Scenario. Later, I showed up in his hotel room and performed oral sex on him. And Dinesh D'Souza's giving him like the Tucker Carlson dog who's just been shown a magic trick look and just going, <laughs> tell, tell me more. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I this is the best news I've heard in a while. Um, I There's no one. No one. I like like Larry. He's yeah. Larry ruled. He was. Probably the best conservative, like all the other people who followed him suck. It's all stuff like, you know, I worked in the FBI and I saw Nellie Orr lied about an indictment, but he's the only one who's like, I. And I'll go to the uh, Dinesh D'Souza. I think this is what they're talking about. I'm not sure if that's like an old clip, but that date is July 28, 2023. So I think they're misinformed and they might be talking about this very old I don't know. I think it's a fairly old interview. But unreported, Larry Sinclair on Obama. Is there any limit to the deception of the mainstream media? When a presidential nominee is involved in a sex scandal, it's obviously a Shout big out story. Rumble. We only rumble Larry here. Larry Sinclair. What do you do for a living, Mr. Sinclair? Currently, I run a nonprofit in Cocoa building affordable housing. Now, in 2008, when Obama announced his candidacy for president, you made some explosive allegations about him that dated back to some events that occurred in 1999. Is that the year that you met Barack Obama? It is. Where did you meet him? Outside of a bar in Chicago. What were you doing? I was on a night out. I had asked a limo driver if he knew anyone that would be interested in showing me around the town. And it was clear for the limo driver that I was looking for someone to enjoy the night with. The introduction was (laughs) made through the limo driver. And what happened? Uh, We had a few drinks. Uh, I had made some comments about warning Coke. So we got in the limo and left. And we started drinking, I started snorting, he started smoking. <laughs> I actually put my hand on his knee and started to rub up his thigh. And I performed oral sex on Barack Obama. No. The following day, I actually get a knock on my hotel room door in Gurney, Illinois, only to find Barack Obama standing in front of it. He had actually come back for seconds. Ew. I performed oral sex on him in the hotel room at the Comfort Inn and Suites in Gurney, Illinois. Were there drugs involved in the second night as well? There was. Who produced those? He actually brought those with him. Now, Obama at that time was a state senator. I actually had no idea who he was. And then when did you find out that it it was Barack Obama? Watching the 2004 DNC convention. Thank you very much, everybody. God bless you. Thank you. And it hit me. And at the time, I was just kind of floored. Good afternoon. My name is Montgomery. Blair Sibley, I'm the attorney for Larry Sinclair. Now you have this press conference. 
I performed fellatio on Senator Obama in the limousine during the time Senator Obama was smoking crack cocaine. After the press conference, you are arrested by the D.C. Police Department upon the orders of Bo Biden, oh, Attorney General for Delaware. Oh, shit. So this is Joe Biden's son. Not Bo, Bo Biden. Biden. It is. Apparently, he had a grand jury indictment from two weeks after I went public on Obama accusing me of theft that never took place. Shortly before you made these public allegations about Obama, you were contacted, you say, by a man named Donald Young. Donald Young was the oh, choir shit. director in Jeremiah Wright's church in Chicago. We're going to talk about this. Chicago. This is the church Obama attended. Exactly. And, and what did Donald Young tell you? That he, too, had intimate relations with Barack Obama and had for, for years. And that I needed to protect myself, that they were going to come after me. What happened to him? He was shot point blank in his apartment in Chicago. The murder was never solved? No, it wasn't. Donald Young's mother subsequently made a public comment, I believe reported in one of the tabloids. What did she say? She wanted to know why her son had to die to protect his friend, the president, which was referring to Barack Obama. Did you have this kind of a conversation where you describe what happened to you on any of the major networks? No. Did the New York Times or the Washington Post interview you? No. Have you heard of Stormy Daniels? <laughs> Who hasn't heard of Stormy Daniels? On the alleged affair between Donald Trump and adult film star Stormy Daniels. Please welcome Stormy Daniels. Please welcome Stormy Daniels. Here we go. <laughs> 22 million viewers tuned in to 60. Yeah, you can't, pro you can't broadcast a gay crack affair. Three minutes Sunday to hear Stormy Daniels' story. I hereby, along with my colleague, Mayor Pro Tem John D'Amico, declare it Stormy Daniels Day in the city of West Hollywood. What happened to Larry Sinclair Day? Whether or not you believe their stories, these two did not get equal treatment from the media. The power of the media is not just the power to twist the news, it's to make the news and even to fabricate the news. Forms of media. Is there more the, the vote of an interview? Pressing to see member manifest, oh, man. meaning that they I want to see more of this crackhead. This crazy, <laughs> this crazy white crackhead. And <laughs> all of his stories. That was pretty good. That was a good one. Let's see, where do I gotta go now? We didn't even talk about the birth certificate shit yet. Let's go ahead and get back to the birth certificate. Let's watch a little bit of the press conference. We gotta go back. Continue to mischaracterize the nature of this investigation. This is from the county where I was born, Maricopa County. This is a local uh, news program, Fox 10 Phoenix. Oh, you're going to hear this more than once today, but this Still investigation was never about where President Obama was born. This is about a document that was presented to the general public through the White House and purported to be a factual document. Today, you're going to hear lots of information uh, that some of you are going to understand you, and are going to be able good. to tell the true story. In fact, Please know that this is a very technical, but the evidence is clear if you'll pay attention. Please note you're going to hear about two separate experts. These experts are uh, two separate continents, 
with no knowledge of each other, and they draw similar conclusions. Again, that said, I know some of you are going to get this story and are going to tell the story the way it was. However, there's going to be others here today who will continue to malign this sheriff and Mike Zulo in order to show that you haven't been wrong for many years while covering this story. All I ask is that you are respectful during the presentation of the information. Here's Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, back, thank you for showing up. Back in uh, 2011, about 250 members of the surprise tea party came to me and asked me to investigate President Obama's birth certificate since they believed evidence showed that the certificate was a fraud. I agreed to look into the matter, and with Chief Investigator Mike Zullo, we initiated, initiated an investigation. At this time, and to this day, I stated that I did not care where the President was born. It had nothing to do with that. but we were going to investigate a possible government forge document. Hope you get that straight. I've been saying that from day one <laughs> since 2011. Today you will be presented with an in-depth executive summary of our investigation into the matter, which we now have concluded to be a fraudulently created document which has been represented as an official copy of the original birth certificate of President Obama. Now let's go to the major part of the Are birth certificate. In angle, according to two separate disciplines fast forwarded of forensic document examination and yet the Nordyke twins born five minutes from each other stamped back to back don't show any similarity in angles we've made a number of references to angles so far the reason for that is if you're going to take an item off of one document and place it onto another the angle is going to remain the same unless you intentionally alter it after you place it on the second document. Watch. Oh shit. When you have two separate documents with two hand-placed date stamps at the same angles, it should be obvious that a forgery has taken place. For the next example, we'll need to zoom in a little bit. Now we are going to focus on boxes 6C and 6E within the Obama PDF. Both X's were taken directly from box 6D in the ANI long-form birth certificate. In fact, not only was the X pulled over, but the box itself was pulled over and various parts of the line on top 
of the X were also pulled over, according to forensic document experts. What the? They're just comparing it. The other person took it with this, and they're directly overlaying the checkbox at the X from a different birth certificate. Next, we'll drop the ID document out of the picture, except for the items that were used to create the Obama birth certificate. a direct match. Expect that you type it and everything you stamped it. I don't know. Pretty weird. Pretty weird. If you guys did not know, I'm going to share this other thing with you. Did you know that the Hawaiian official who released his birth certificate died in a fiery plane crash? That wasn't fiery, I guess. It actually hit the water. She was the only one to die out of a small Cessna plane crash. One out of nine or ten. Hawaiian official who released Obama's birth certificate dies in a crash. Loretta Fuddy, a Hawaiian health official who in 2011 was briefly in the national spotlight when she verified the authenticity of President Obama's birth certificate and authorized the release of information about it, died Wednesday in the crash of a small plane off the island of Molokai. USA Today writes that the plane with a pilot and eight passengers aboard went down Wednesday in the water off the Hawaiian island of Molokai, the Maui Fire Department said. The two others on board survived. As NBC News writes, Fuddy hit the headlines two years ago when she approved a waiver request allowing Obama to access certified copies of his birth certificate signed by the delivery doctor, Obama's mother, and the local registrar. His mother, then 18, signed her name, Stanley Ann Dunham Obama. So-called birthers opposed to Obama, including real estate mogul Donald Trump, had long questioned why Obama hadn't ensured the long form was released. To release the long-form birth certificate, Obama appeared in the White House briefing room to say to birthers and anyone else who had doubts that, quote, we don't have time for this kind of silliness, unquote. We've got enormous challenges out there, and the nation won't be able to confront them if it gets distracted by sideshows and carnival barkers, Obama said. Uh, Fuddy was 65, and she's the director of Hawaii's health department. Let's go ahead and watch this video. We're getting a new look this morning at a plane crashing in the ocean off Hawaii last month. The accident killed a state official. And as John Blackstone shows us, one of the survivors captured the drama with his camera. This is how it looked to rescuers from the sky. But this is the view of the nine passengers aboard the Cessna aircraft as it plunged into the waters off Molokai on December 11th. The engine you know, made, a, made a noise and all the bells and whistles started Ferdinand Puentes had only planned to record the takeoff with his GoPro camera, but kept rolling as the engine failed. He had the camera on a stick and was able to document himself and the other passengers struggling to stay afloat. The pilot is seen with a cut to his head. 
it so so many things just happening you know it's it's you know is it is it for real you know is this is this really happening a spear fisherman who was used to being in the ocean puentes tried to swim to shore but with 50 yards to go he was overcome with exhaustion a lot of things was just was just racing but you know you, you can't actually say oh i'm gonna do this and that it's pretty much everything is on instinct the only fatality was Hawaii Health Director Loretta Fuddy. She gained notoriety in 2011 after President Obama asked her to Weird release his birth certificate amid speculation he was born outside the United States. Fuddy's exact cause of death is still under investigation. Puentes and the other passengers were all treated and released. For CBS This Morning, John Blackstone, San Francisco. Let's take a look at a couple of other quick rumors or old rumors, old clips. Let's see. Newsweek, Obama first gay president? What is this clip? From New this morning, another magazine cover causing some controversy. This one is about President Obama after he announced his public support for same-sex marriage last week. Here's the picture on the cover of Newsweek this week. Eyewitness News reporter Nicole Estefan joins us live in the newsroom now with more on the controversy. Good morning. Newsweek's latest cover said to hit stands in about a week and no doubt it will spawn some conversation here. Declares Barack Obama as, quote, the first gay president. Obama's face is pictured looking skyward, complete with a rainbow halo. The accompanying article analyzes <laughs> the president's that. backing of gay marriage. Now, Obama said Wednesday he supports gay marriage, reversing his position on a controversial social issue just six months before the November election. The president says after years of conversation, he now believes that gays and lesbians have the right to marry. Meanwhile, the presumptive Republican presidential nominee, Mitt Romney, reiterated this weekend that he believes marriage is between a man and a woman. Let's go ahead and watch this clip of the Young Turks. Obama is gay, claims Family Research Institute. The Family Research Institute's Paul Cameron Paul was Cameron. recently on a crosstalk with Jim Snyder. Ago of VCY America, that's apparently the voice of Christian youth. Gotta love it. And uh, he went on a rant about President Obama and gay marriage. But of course, since he's an insane right winger, it's going to take a twist at some point. Let's watch. Hmm. Well, the timing is, I think, miserable for his re-election. Uh, I would have uh, expected him, as you did, to wait until he was uh, the new president and say, uh, guess what? I've changed my mind or I've evolved. But homosexuality is the one sin or the one uh, habit that is 24-7. It is homosexuality all the time. <laughs> and actually, uh, while I'm not sure about the claims by the various people who have, uh, who have reported that Obama has at least participated at times with them in homosexual acts, uh, this certainly lends it. some credence. Not me. Did you hear that? Did you catch it? Well, they cut it well, off. I have heard that Obama has participated they in homosexual... cut it off, fucking chink. I don't even want to listen to you. We knew you would do that. I knew you would do that. Uh, what about this ex-girlfriend shared glimpse of a young Barack Obama? A new glimpse of the young Barack Obama. Two ex-girlfriends during the 1980s are sharing their stories for the first time in a new book, Barack Obama, The Story. Australian-born Genevieve Cook was his more serious relationship. She's shown here in this yearbook photo put out by BuzzFeed. They met at a Christmas party Good in the BuzzFeed. months after Obama graduated from Columbia and was living in New York. 
The couple eventually lived together for a short time in this Brooklyn brownstone. And throughout their nearly 18-month romance, Cook kept a journal. How is he so old already at the age of 22, she wrote early on in their relationship. (laughs) There is one theme, though, that continues to come up in her writings about Obama. Distance. She writes, but I feel that you carefully filter everything in your mind and heart. Legitimate, admirable, really a strength. A necessity in terms of some kind of integrity. But there's something also there of smooth veneer, of guardedness. But I'm still left with this feeling of a bit of a wall, the veil. New York Times reporter Jody Cantor, who wrote a book about the Obamas, says that period of Obama's life was a search for identity. During the New York years, not a lot actually happened. There's not a lot of drama. There aren't a lot of big scenes. A lot of what's happening with Barack Obama in this period is taking place inside his own head. Obama and Cook eventually grew apart, with Cook writing in the journal at one point, I can't help thinking that what he would really want be powerfully drawn to was a woman, very strong, very upright, a fighter, a laugher, well-experienced, a black woman. I keep seeing her ass. <laughs> with a slice of Obama's past coming to light, it's there also brought it until now an unknown history to this Brooklyn neighborhood where Obama used to live, surprising the owners of Obama's former home. I was oh, amazed and just, you know, kind of amused. It's just one of those things where, you know, you never Michael know. Michael Robinson also. And, uh, I, I just thought it was uh, funny. Mary Snow, CNN. You got to be kidding me. That was weird. I, all right. Anyway. Um, one more, one more article. I'm going to read this about Trinity Church. WND.com, 2012. Trinity Church members reveal Obama's shocker one more time. Another call to action. Just please follow the show. Support me on Twitter. This will be uploaded as soon as I can download this to Twitter and then to my podcast tomorrow morning. Trinity Church members reveal Obama's shocker. Matchmaker Reverend Jeremiah Wright provided cover for gays. That's a quote. Ten years ago, the New York Times reported on a growing underground subculture of the black community known as Downlow, comprised largely of men who secretly engage in homosexual activity while living straight lives in public. It's within that subtext that opposition researchers for Hillary Clinton's 2008 presidential campaign, yes, Hillary Clinton, began investigating rumors that Reverend Jeremiah Wright was running a, quote, matchmaking service, unquote, for members of his Trinity United Church of Christ known as the Down Low Club, which included Barack Obama. Over the past several months, WND investigators have interviewed a number of members of the church who claim the president benefited from Wright's efforts to help black men who engage in homosexual activity appear respectable in black society by finding them a wife. The 2003 New York Times story, Double Lives on the Down Low, said that though many black men reject, quote, a gay culture they perceive as white and effeminate, unquote, they, quote, have settled on a new identity with its own vocabulary and customs its own name, Down Low, unquote. The Times said that while there are black men who are openly gay, it seems that the majority of those having sex with men still lead secret lives, products of a black culture that deems masculinity or fatherhood as a black man's primary responsibility and homosexuality as a white man's perversion. That's a quote. The download club at Trinity doesn't have meetings and isn't like the Rotary Club, a source identified for this article as Carolyn explained to a WND investigator in Chicago. It was more that Wright served as a matchmaker, said Carolyn, a 20-year member of Trinity who has played a role in church administration and knows the Obamas personally. 
He kept his eye on the young guys coming up in Trinity, she said. If he spotted someone that acted or looked gay, then Wright would give them kind of a guidance counselor type direction on how to keep down low, how to do the things they wanted to do, but then also getting married and looking respectable, being part of black society. Hey, what's up, Tech Tessin? I think they murdered him too. Good to see you here. I love to see the interaction. What's up, man? Thanks for joining in on the show. I like to see you guys interact. That's awesome. To trading insiders, the download club was simply known as the program. That's the terminology. At Trinity, you're urged to get with the program, explained a male beneficiary of the download club. What that means is it's okay to go ahead and have sex with men, just as long as you get with the program and marry a woman. Somebody no straight guy would want to marry. Holy shit. The wife, the download club member explained is your beard your cover so you can look like you're living a straight life even though you're not i agree with you tech tesson tech says dude they literally killed him because he knew the obama's inside secrets multiple white house chefs have been taken out and killed for sure we covered one of them um earlier in the show the mail source was a back to the article yeah, the mail source is a computer consultant who claims not to know scratch about computers but quote getting with the program unquote at trinity meant he could keep living a gay life and receive lots of computer consulting work thrown his way by trinity as long as he was willing to marry an unattractive woman who otherwise might have ended up a lonely spinster with no means to provide for a living carolyn explained that for many black families attending trinity was a way out of poverty Trinity was a chance to network, she said. The stuff preached was hateful, but about 70% of those who go there ignore their radical rhetoric and just try to get ahead. Carolyn said Trinity, quote, helped a lot of blacks get successful and connected, unquote. Quote, that's what Wright did for Obama, she claimed. He connected Obama in the community and he helped Obama hide his homosexuality. Openly homosexual author and commentator Keith Boykin, a former White House advisor to President Bill Clinton, mentions Obama's former pastor Wright on pages 264 to 265 of his 2005 book, Beyond the Download, Sex, Lies, and the Denial on Black America. While Boykin doesn't refer to the Download Club by name, he regards Wright as among a small group of ministers who are coming to grips with sexuality and opening up a dialogue with heterosexuals, homosexuals, and bisexuals in the pews. I gotta check out that book. That's probably a great first-hand source of this shit. Chicago-based author, businessman, speaker, and HIV-AIDS activists, J.L. King wrote a controversial book in 2005 called On the Download, A Journey to the Lives of Straight Black Men Who Sleep with Men. He was a guest on Obama's, or on Oprah Winfrey's Chicago-based TV show in 2004, which described him this way. J.L. King had a life most with envy. He married his high school sweetheart, had two healthy children, and was on the fast track to success. But unbeknownst to his family and friends, he had a dark secret. He was living on the down low. At Trinity, if you even hint, at about, a hint about talking about Obama being gay, you are reminded of our dear departed choir director, she said. He was killed, and it wasn't a robbery. The Christmas presents were touched. The TV was not taken. Nothing in the apartment was missing. What's up, Spider Ivy? Yeah, why well, did Brock have bandages on his fingers? He also had a black eye, too. Carolyn's reference was to Donald Young, the 47-year-old homosexual choir master at Trinity who died of, a multiple, of multiple gunshot wounds in a Chicago apartment December 24, 2007. Young's murder was preceded November 17, 2007 with the execution-style murder of 25-year-old Larry Bland, another black gay member of Trinity United. 
He was also murdered in his home, dying of multiple gunshot wounds, according to his death certificate. Just days after the murder of Young, a third openly gay member of Wright's Church, Nate Spencer, reportedly died of septicemia, pneumonia, and AIDS. As WND reported last month, a prominent member of Chicago's homosexual community claims Obama's participation in the gay bar and bathhouse scene was so well known that many who were aware of his lifestyle were shocked when he ran for president and finally won the White House. In April, WND reported a federal judge dismissed a libel case against Larry Sinclair, a homosexual who claimed Obama's 2008 presidential campaign had paid to rig a polygraph test regarding Sinclair's sensational charge that he had sex and used cocaine twice with Obama while Obama was an Illinois state senator. Sinclair tells a story in Barack Obama and Larry Sinclair, Cocaine, Lies, Cocaine Sex, Lies, and Murder. Sinclair gave an affidavit to the Chicago Police Department regarding contacts he said he had with Young just prior to Young's murder. According to Sinclair's affidavit published in its entirety beginning on page 56 of his book, he contacted Obama's presidential campaign at September 2007. St. Clair says he requested that Obama correct claims he made about when he stopped using, stopped abusing drugs to reflect use of crack cocaine during their sex encounters in November 1999. <laughs> Spider Ivy said the chef saw Moo Shell's dick. That's why he was murdered just like Joan Rivers. Anyway, we could keep going on with this article, but I appreciate the interaction all towards the end there, it seems like. But um, thank you for joining in. I hope you follow the show. We're going to keep following this story. I cover all things weird, all things conspiracy, political. If it crosses over into like Twitter and internet culture, I'll address some like mainstream-ish kind of things. But we'll see you next time. Thank you, guys. And peace. Talk to you later.